before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Hi, I'm Coach Tony Schiffman, and welcome to the Hog Football Podcast, where we talk all things football and all things offensive line. Today, I've got with me Coach Boomer Cunningham. Coach Cunningham is currently the offensive line coach recruiting coordinator at Southern Arkansas University. Uh, he's originally from St. Louis, Missouri, got his playing career done at uh, Central Arkansas from 2006 to 2008, and then began his time coaching at Central Arkansas as well. Uh, between 2009 and 2014, he held multiple titles including offensive quality control assistant offensive line director of football operations and recruiting coordinator uh went to lagrange college after that in 2015 to be the offensive line coach for matt for uh, uh coach matt mummy uh and then came to southern arkansas in 2016. uh he is with me right now as a guest and looking forward to talking with him coach how are you how's it going I'm doing well how are you doing i'm doing great man as good as as good as we can be in these in these trying times trying to stay positive and, and one step at a time, day by day, and, and all, those, uh, all those fun cliches. Yeah, for sure, no doubt. Yeah, so, uh, you know, first question I've got for you, you've been a part of some really good teams, and, and we were just talking a little bit about some of your successful trophy games. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how the offensive line played a part in the success of those teams and, and maybe even those games. Yeah, so kind of starting off with when I was at Central Arkansas, you know, we had – really good teams over the years there and I'm very fortunate enough to be able to start my career coaching there and starting with uh, Clint Conk who was the head football coach at the time who then just he recently went to Stephen F you know in the transition then picking up Steve Campbell um, in 2014 when he got there and so you know dealing with the O-line there for, for those teams is being able to run the football and and pass protect and so those 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 two things are, are a great combination you know the, the guys that we had on the team o-line wise were from various parts of of arkansas and texas and you know being able to work with you know guys from like a dominique allen who who's from houston and then a Corey howard who was from uh he was from wichita falls uh, they're just west of fort worth and and then the cj simons you know, Cole Carruthers, I can go on and on naming all those former players that, that we had mm -hmm. that earned all conference and all offensive linemen of the year in the Southland and, all, you know, all those type of things and, and all American honors. And so having those players helped us make the playoffs and, and play Tennessee Tech, which, you know, being a transitional team when I played at UCA uh, and then getting out of the transition making the playoffs, winning our first playoff game against, a you know, a Tennessee Tech team that won the conference, I believe, or shared it, something like that, that 2012 season, and then playing Montana up in Montana in November, which it, best fan base I've ever been, you know, been a part of at FCS level during a playoff game. And then, you know, the two years later we played um, – or a year later, I'm sorry, we played Georgia Southern before they made their transition up in the playoffs again. And so – you know, being able to to string those part those type of things together is 
is pretty cool deal, but a lot of it was based on the old line play and, and how good we were up front being able to right. run the ball and obviously throw it around the yard. Right. And I mean, it's, 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 we really are. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's such a cliche and it's such a, a biased opinion, but we're, it really does kind of start, <laughs> start oh, end with yeah. us. And, and it's, you know, it's, I know we're a very proud bunch of, of coaches, but um, you know, we've got a lot to be proud of, especially when we get those, those young men in our rooms and get to work with them and, and get to kind of watch them grow and, and, uh, and develop. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always kind of fascinated by coaches who coach at their alma mater and, and you, you played at central Arkansas um, from, from 2006 to 2008 as an offensive lineman and long snapper. Um, and then obviously spent a long, a big chunk of time there as a coach as well. Um, talk to me about how that transition was as, as a, you know, from player to coach. And then talk to me a little bit just to kind of about the, the gradual climb you made up the coaching ladder, so to speak. Yeah. So obviously starting out there, it's to have that opportunity, you know, was a great, uh, honor essentially um mm -hmm. because not everybody gets that opportunity i i was working as a ga in the athletic department and in the assistant ad's daryl walsh and natalie shock you know for men's and women's sports they knew that i wanted to be a football coach so they're like hey as long as you get your game day operational type stuff done as far as like setting up for soccer games setting up for uh volleyball basketball all those you can you can go work with football um, in the office, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, great. You know, to have that opportunity, it's not, hey, you're working straight athletic department. So um, being the quality control guy, I didn't get to travel my first two years uh, as a GA in the athletic department because of the other duties I had. And so right. it was mainly Sundays breaking film down and, you know, all those quality control deals that you have to do. And so Work and practice just couldn't travel, which sucks because you just get done playing and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to be able to stay a part of it. But, you know, so you kind of are in a limited role. Right. So then after I graduated from, from my master's in grad school, they, they kept me on as essentially game day operations manager through the athletic department, but was still quality control for football. And so I was kind of splitting both times toward I could travel as long as there wasn't a game conflict. And so I traveled every game except for maybe one that year, uh, my third year out, and I believe that was 11. And so being able to, to do that, then obviously you're, you get more involved with obviously the game planning and, and practice planning and stuff like that. And so and, – and having a good relationship with Nathan Brown, who was my quarterback. You know, I was his center. He was my quarterback, mm -hmm. um, who was the OC at the time you know, that, that kind of helps with, with all that type of things that, that I had to get with him on making sure that he was taken care of with, Hey, what do you need broken down? How do you want it broken down? What, you know, what do you need on Sundays after a game call sheet wise, you know, what do you want to see? You know, all those type of things. I kind of knew what he wanted, but you know, would always double check. And then, right. and then getting into, the, the recruiting coordinator and the director of football operations aspect of it, it, it became a deal where, you know, Coach Conk at the time, we lost our recruiting coordinator, D-line coach. Um, he went to another school. And then 
he was like, well, Boomer, I want to promote you to that full-time position. I'm like, awesome. Cause I'm kind of OCD. <laughs> I, you know, I know what he, he wants. I, I knew how things operated there. And, and so it was kind of an easy transition for me to be able to dr- jump into that spot. Right. And I, and I love recruiting too. And, you know, obviously we get the luxury of, of being able to recruit kids and um, compared to a high school coach, but, uh, and so jumping into that easy transition, still assisting the offensive line, which, you know, which was my old line coach. So that was easy for me because we had a great relationship. And so, and then getting into where coach Campbell gets there and now I'm not the recruiting coordinator anymore. I'm just director of football operations and assistant offensive line, which is fine. And so I'm just doing travel and helping coach Campbell out with the O-line. And just at that point, you know, I spent that year with, with coach Campbell in 2014. And just by the end of it, you know, kind of after that spring going into the fall, I was like, you know, I would love more responsibility. I'm 28 years old. Um, kind of wanting to help take over and not take over, I, I guess, but more so of, Hey, I want, I want the opportunity, I guess. And so, right. uh, so it just came into a fact where it's like, I'm ready to spread my wings really at the end of the day. And so I had an opportunity come up where coach mummy was looking for an old line coach. It happened to be a D three in Georgia where he was, where he was a head coach at. And so I took the opportunity just to be able to say, Hey, look, I can run my own room here. You know, I know I can do it. I'm ready to do it. Right. And you, we all have that itch at some point in our career starting off. Um, and that's just the path of, that it took for me. And so spent that year at a D3 in LaGrange, Georgia, which was, you know, I'd been at Conway, Arkansas for eight, nine years now. Right. And so that is, it was a big leap of faith essentially. And so being able to, to take that jump and, and run with it was, was really nice. Um, it was a lot different than division one, obviously. And when you get into the smaller details of learning how to the financial packaging and, and FAFSAs and Pell grants and, and all of what those smaller schools, what you guys have to go through to try and get kids on campus. Cause you know, D three it's, you're not given any money, right. You know, athletic scholarship wise. And so, was a little bit tough and, and challenging at times, but, you know, the staff that was there was great. You know, I have a lot of buddies that, that I still talk to that are, whether they're in high school now or still at the college level or, you know, the DC is now the head coach there. And so, it, you know, we still get together and talk and all that type of stuff. And so um, great relationships I made there, which has helped me progress in my philosophy is when it comes to, to, to coaching and so, but, you know, after that year, got the opportunity to come back to Arkansas here at Southern Arkansas for Bill Keppel, mm-hmm. our head football coach. He, his dad was a Hall of Fame high school coach here in the state. He's been coaching for 34 years now, um, you know, and so he's well known around the state and he's a former UCA Bear. Him and, him and my old line coach, Brooks Hollinsworth, played together. And so that was my connection to get back to Arkansas here at SAU. And so, um, and been here, you know, four years now and, or just finished my fourth year. And so going in year five. Awesome. 
Awesome. It's, it's, you know, it's, I don't think there, you know, you talked about wanting to have more of a responsibility and to, to have your own room. I don't think that's anything out of the ordinary for any young coach to, to want, you know, to, to kind of strive for, let's see how high I can take this and how, you know, what, what level I can take this at and still be successful without, you know, to, you know, to kind of, you you want to find your ceiling, you know, right. Um, you, you don't want to be, be stuck doing something that you, you know, you can, you can handle more and do more. So, um, yeah, because at the end of the day, it was, it was me being an assistant O-line coach for five years. Right. You know, so like you said, that itch just kept, which the relationship I had with the kids, because, you know, going from player to to coaching can be different for some people. You have to be able to separate yourself from that that rift that you have with those guys that you just got done playing next to. Well, now you're telling them, you're kind of helping them what to do. I don't want to say telling them what to do, but you kind of are. Right. You know, so you don't want to be, you you want to be able to keep that relationship that you guys had as a player together, but also understand that there's a boundary now to where how you can talk to me, what we're going to talk about, et cetera. But at the same time, you don't want to lose their trust. And so kind of learning how to handle that early on, right. I think was a really good thing personally. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's, I mean, every, everything you, everything we do as coaches is, is some sort of lesson that we kind of put in our back pocket and, and can bring with us wherever we're at. I mean, I, at least I, I try to do that. So, um, you know, everything we do is some sort of learning experience, whether it's a positive or a negative, you know, something sure. we keep doing or something that we don't do again. So it's all, it's all kind of tied together and it's all got its importance in everything we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the, one of the other questions I have for, you know, you're looking at your bio, one of the things you told that you told me was, um, or, or, or typed out, you know, in, in 2017, you guys only gave up six sacks in over well over 300 pass attempts. And then this past season, you guys finished fourth in the nation in sacks allowed with only eight. Um, mm-hmm. Is that, you know, do you, is that something that you, obviously you pride yourself in that and you're very proud of it. Um, but is that something that are you guys more of a, you know, you, you focus more on the passing game or, or pass protections, or is that just uh, uh, getting the ball out, slinging it around a little bit and, and, you know, you, it's a, it's a quarterback thing or, you know, what, what, what do you kind of uh, um, attribute that to? It's really, I would say both, mm-hmm. honestly, because our, our quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, Landon Keppel, he, he did a good job with te- teaching our quarterbacks that, look, you don't have all day to throw a football. Right. Um, you know, obviously an offensive line can protect for so long. And would uh, us as old line coaches would love to be able to say, hey, you got 15 seconds back there. We'd, you know, we'd love for that to happen or right. even, even 10 seconds. And so for them to, to know, hey, you've got – four seconds at most to be able to get the football out is that's kind of an understatement, you know, for them. And so it's just getting them to buy into what our OC was teaching them and, and the concepts we run to, or, or, you know, it's obviously we're going to take our chances down the field, but you know, we've been, we've been blessed with obviously our recruiting area. So that helps with mm-hmm. getting some, some really good athletes. And so being able to get open and, and stuff like that, but I do, I, I take about half the time in run game, 
during practice and about half the time in pass protection. Now it's, it's a lot of, I do a lot of walkthroughs as far as pass protection wise. Uh And so it's just understanding that how we're teaching, you know, what my buddy set system uh, of, you know, our, our slide man side and stuff like that. It's mainly our slide side that I have the buddy system with just to help shore up. And um, that kind of helped me with, you know, being in that air raid offense of where you're four down in my protection. And so that buddy system really helped them when I was at LaGrange in protection wise. Right. Normally they were just like a man type of deal where you're just, you're going to slide one side and you're going to man the other. And, and so, uh, you know, taking the time I'll walk through run game pre-practice and then it's, We'll do run game at the start of practice. And then we've got obviously an individual, you know, like a group segment where we'll go over run game and then we'll go over pass game in another group segment after we split up. And, you know, so that's when I'll go do pass stuff. And so it's kind of, I, I go 50, 50, right. You know, I, some guys are going to spend more time in the run game aspect of it uh, just because there's so much technique and there's so much drills that you can do for run game. Uh, pass protection i mean there obviously there's a bunch of drills you can do but at the end of the day it's you know what does that fit into with your scheme of how your offense is right you know so we we do throw we threw it a lot more you know because the quarterback we had was a four-time all-conference quarterback who was a four-time um i mean he one of the leaders in the state of arkansas and in passing yards and touchdowns he's you know i don't know if he's two or three in the in the state but he's up there. Mm-hmm. And so we threw for the, you know, in 2017, we, we threw for over 3,200 yards, you know, so in that we were more of a pass team then. And so I kind of garnered my, my philosophy that year to, all right, we're going to really work on our pass protections, you know, and just make sure that we're taking care of the quarterback. And, but that's every year. It's not just one year in general. It's, you know, in, and all that. And so it's just being able to find that balance mm-hmm. of run game, pass game, endo, pre-practice, post-practice, walkthroughs, meeting, you know, all that stuff that goes into it. And so, um, I mean, cause the next year I started or played four true freshmen. And so, you know, that's, it's kind of nerve wracking that next year, which we still, we still had a good year. Um, as far as passing offense, we threw for over 3,200 yards again. Right. But we gave up, I think, 18 sacks that year. Right. So, you know, for them even – and we went eight and four. And, I, I mean, it's – so you're still, you're still competing at a high level. It's just, you know, the quarterback maybe held on to the ball too long. Or, you know, obviously you're playing with four freshmen – in some way, shape, or form, so they didn't get an out-out call, or you know, it's just those small intricacies, right? Uh, yeah, and it's and that you know, you kind of some of the points you kind of were talking about, you know, play play to your strengths a little bit, and and you know, sometimes I couldn't imagine. I'm sure it'll happen to me at some point. I couldn't imagine having to start or play that <laughs> many true freshmen at once. You know, I've I'm I'm just done year one of college football, and we had. Uh, a true freshman starting on the offensive line so you know my my comparisons often go to the high school level I couldn't imagine starting one freshman at the high school level on the offensive line um, let alone 
multiples are, are at any point four. So right. that, that's that's got to that that had to have been tough. And there, you know, I'm sure there were points in time when when kind of all eyes were on you as an offensive line coach and, and from the offense that, you know, get this done, but you're kind of, <laughs> you're yeah. limited in what you can do. I mean, there's only so much you can do with those young guys like that. Yeah. Our head coach, you know, coach Keppel, he, he said to me at the beginning of the season, you know, cause we signed 11 offensive linemen that year just because of the amount that we lost mm-hmm. the year prior. And in the recruiting process, you're telling all these guys that you're, you're looking to get to commit and, and sign is, look, you have an opportunity to come in and compete right away just because of my depth. I, I left spring ball with six offensive linemen. Right. And so being able to tell those incoming freshmen, obviously you're going to be a little bit more selective on who you're looking to bring in and really study and break down who can come in and compete right away who's got that mentality who's got that um, athletic ability who's got the strength uh, mental capacity all those type of things that that you go into when you're recruiting I had to do a a lot better job instead of just saying hey we're signing four let's just get the four best we can get you know I need to hey I need to find five to six who can possibly come in and look to to compete or start and you know, I credit a lot of that to playing, you know, working at LaGrange because D3, you don't get to redshirt anybody. Right. And so it's kind of a trial by fire with, with young kids because my year at LaGrange, I had one senior, one junior, and three underclassmen, that I, and two of them were freshmen. You know, so, again, it was – we went two and, and seven that year because there was a hurricane game that got canceled mm-hmm. uh, in 15. And so it was, that was, it just kind of is, but you know, coach Keppel goes, well, we're going to see what kind of old line coach you are having, you know, four to five freshmen playing. I'm like, well, thanks coach. I appreciate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> and no pressure at all. And so it was, it was fun to be able to, to see the young guys, come in and compete and do what they did that year honestly you know there was a game where we couldn't do anything offensively because you know we're playing southeast oklahoma at southeast and it's like game nine of the year game eight or nine of the year and we were undefeated and we had my starting center was out my starting left tackle was out my right tackle was a true freshman my left guard was a true freshman. My left guard had got hurt about week five. My, my starter was, who was a sophomore at the time. And so I had to tr- plug, you know, essentially my right guard, right tackle, center, and left guard were all freshmen. Right. <laughs> and coach is like, what's going on out there? Uh, coach, I'm playing with four true freshmen yeah, out there against right? juniors and seniors on the defensive line and linebacking core they're, of, they're of a good southeastern fans. Oklahoma football team. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But so, I mean, it's, just, I'm, it's the ups and downs. Right. I mean, exactly. I mean, the 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 downside of that, I'm sure, is I, well, obviously the downside of that is there's no experience. But the upside of that is, you know, now those guys coming into their junior senior years have that much more game readiness and and are are going to be that much better as upperclassmen and and, uh you know multi-year players and starters 
Yeah, for sure. That that definitely is going to help the situation just because, you know, it, it makes your life a little bit easier as an old line coach now because they've been in the system for two years now and know what you're you're teaching them. So they I put a little ownership on them to be able to teach some of the younger guys that are coming in. Because I, I tell every young kid that I recruit that I want you to come in to compete because if there's if there's competition in our in our group, that's going to make us a better football team. Right. Because we can't be complacent as an offensive line group, and we can't just be like, hey, we've, we're at the pinnacle. We've made it to the top. You know, we haven't won a conference championship. We haven't beaten Washita in four years, in my four years here. Um, you know, we've gone back and forth with Harding, who's been a playoff team. You know, it, it's, we've been back and forth with Henderson, who's been a playoff team. And, mm-hmm. and so you know, until we win that conference championship, and I'm not saying that we're done once we win that, but as an offensive line group, you can't ever settle, in my opinion. You, you always Because there's always something to work on, whether it's your footwork, your hand placement, hat placement. You know, just getting into the ex, you know, all that side of it and just becoming a better student of the game is, is where we need to get better as a group, you know, cause you, you know what I want steps wise, you know, where I want your hat, you know, where I want your hand. It's now understanding defensive line movement, linebacker alignment, you know, safety rotation, you know, just stuff. It's just seeing the extra small details of the game now that was taught to me by my O-line coach when I was playing center Right. You know, it's, it's now teaching them right now that you're an older group. Let's, let's work on some, some things that obviously we're going to work on the tech, the small techniques of hand placement, hat placement, feet. We're still going to do that, but it's now, Hey, let's get a little bit more advanced. Right. Right. Yeah. Now you can, you can start to do those things that you weren't able to do with the, the younger group. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Coach, last question I got for you. Uh, if you could build a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen from guys you've coached, guys you played with, or guys you're just a fan of, uh, who would be on that five-man offensive line? All right. Uh, I've, I've actually – I've a long-time listener of, the, of, obviously, the podcast I know is recently, but just seeing everything on Twitter and okay. all that type of stuff. But So you're prepared. Um, yeah, a little bit – a little prepared. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's stuff that, as an O-line – person you know guy that there's you know there's guys that that you like and so like Orlando Pace is one for me just because growing up in St. Louis when it was the greatest show on turf you know him being there um you know Alan Fanica you know he was a big one that I liked growing up probably you know Will Shields was another one uh Kevin Maway just how he played Mm -hmm. uh Olin Krutz was another one that was a really that I was a big fan of Jeff Saturday. I know I'm I'm kind of going over the, those five, but oh, you're okay. You know, and Joe Thomas. You know, more recent, but you know, probably my most favorite. And he's probably he's never going to be in the Hall of Fame, probably. And mm-hmm. you know, nobody probably ever thinks of him, but like I loved how he played, and it's Richie Incognito. Okay, a you know, bit, a little bit of nastiness, a little bad boy. You know, yeah. it's it's. It's those type of guys that have that chip on their shoulder and that and that nastiness about them that you want to see in your offensive lineman. Right. And that's that's and I've got one on my team right now that's kind of like a Richie Incognito, and I love him. Sometimes you got to rear him in, which you know, being an O line coach and just finishing your first year, it, you know, it's 
to get those guys is a rare, right? Really, for the most part. And and so to to have a kid like that to where he almost he he makes it contagious to want to hit something, right? And and that's that's what you like to see because and that's when you start having fun is where you start peeling kids off of of a pile that that are just oh you know just looking looking down or trying to jump in late or you know stuff like that he you know it's kind of you become a bully out there right and that's as an offensive line you want to have that mentality sometimes of taking over a football game and being able to say y'all ain't gonna do nothing today yeah that's those are so that's, those, those are some tough dudes to find but those are some special dudes to find for sure oh yeah no doubt yeah yeah uh, and and you know incognito does he gets a very bad rap and he's done a lot of yeah questionable things but when <laughs> he was when he was on kind of at his best peak he was really yeah. good you're right absolutely yeah he was so, yeah so those are those are some of mine i mean obviously you could go back in the day and go with like the willie ropes and the larry allens and the anthony munozes and you know the you know the larry zimmermans and Mike Munchak's and you know all them that you know like our parents grew up with right yeah it's you can go on and on but you know just being able to to say just like those are the ones that I always paid attention to and and watched when I was a kid because I mean obviously you're going to watch the skill guys and the quarterbacks out there and you know the but I always and it's it's weird today because I still watch O-line play more than I do any part else if I'm oh, watching yeah. an NFL game or a oh, college yeah. game I watch the O-line yeah I'm the same the same way I still I still I, I do the same thing it's it's uh yeah I agree it, it's but that's but that's also what we coach that's what we're right. you know, working on every day so we want to try to find little things we can use little little tips and techniques we can use so that's that's kind of why where my focus always lies for sure yeah well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, do me a favor before we get you out of here. Drop your Twitter handle for everybody and uh, any other information you want them to know. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is OLINECOACHBC. So that's O capitalized, and then line is all lowercase, and then coach with the C is capitalized, and that's BC is capitalized as well. Um, you know, Southern Arkansas is a great place. You know, it's, it's been a blessing that I haven't been a bunch of places. Uh, just with UCA, LaGrange, and, and now SAU. So, you know, and obviously the opportunity for you to to get me on here and and, and voice my, you know, just being able to talk in general um, is a great deal. And I know with Tim, growing up with him and, and what he's doing with the quarantine with coaches, being able to to have those, the voices that normally aren't heard from smaller coaches and um, and all that, it, you know, it's a great avenue. And, and obviously you're doing a great job with it. And, and so is Tim. So, uh, just being able, you know, just being thankful for for the opportunity that that you've given me, and sure. um, you know, obviously, I'm sure we'll stay in contact. And but I'm always down to talk ball. So if you want to add me on Twitter, and you know, we can talk that way because it, it as an O line coach, you can never want to stop talking ball personally. Right. You're absolutely right. It's it's uh, and it's such a great fraternity of coaches, especially on the offensive line. That yep. I mean, you can put. You you know the, the the great part is you can put ten of us in a room. We're all going to have ten different backgrounds. We're all going to be at ten different levels. We're all going to coach ten different styles of offense, but we can all still have a ten hour conversation about every little you know about our first step on zone or our first down block mm -hmm. step. So it's 
it's such a, a, a great profession and great fraternity that we get to be a part of. Oh, there's no doubt. It's, yeah. There's nothing better. Absolutely. Well, Coach, thank you for coming on talking with me. Uh, best of luck this upcoming season. Hopefully you guys are, are staying safe and staying healthy and, and looking forward to, to speaking with you soon. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Thank you.